Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Jake. And tonight I'll be covering episode 102 of Into the Badlands called Fist Like a Bullet. Uh, I'm not real sure where I got the name from, but I like it. Uh, same director this week, uh, Dave Dopkin, and the writers were the same as well, Gogan Miller, the creators. So, first thoughts, badass episode. I really, really enjoyed this. I think even quite a bit more than I enjoyed the first episode, which is quite a bit to top, being that I haven't seen something like that in so long. You know, it's kind of refreshing that a show like this that already caught me kind of off guard in episode one would give me this much enjoyment in episode two. So really looking forward to this show now. It's pretty much got me. It's grabbed me. I'm 100%, you know, in on this show. So, a little bit different on this podcast because this episode gave us a boatload of plot, new plot. A couple new characters, you know, some unfoldings that uh, we can look forward to in the future episodes. So, I'm going to kind of run down every little plot scene that we kind of ran through in this episode. So, first off, we get another badass opening scene. This time, the widow gets to show what she's made of. So, she walks into a bar... It looks like it's kind of a strip club, a gentleman's club type of deal. And you can tell that, you know, it's a little different. you got chicks with a metal bikini on, you know, running a grinder across it, causing sparks and things like that. So a little cool, a little different, something you don't see very often. Looks like it's kind of a fetish bar almost. And she walks up, and you meet her former regent named Teague. Now, Teague obviously left after the death of... It looks like the widow's husband originally. And matter of fact, even calls her Minerva when she sits down. And, you know, widow doesn't seem too pleased with that. Says she's left that name behind. She's now a baron in the widow. Which Teague doesn't seem to think she is a baron. But, you know, she believes what she believes. And feels like the other barons are recognizing her as baron. So, she wants her old regent Teague to come back. And her plan is to join forces basically to take out Quinn and when she takes out Quinn she feels like she can gain control over the rest of the barons because Quinn has all the power he has the biggest force of fighters the best clippers everything so Teague seems pretty skeptical about the whole idea and just like you think you might see this guy for a few episodes to come oh wow we got a new character somebody we ain't seen before boom hatchet face just absolutely awesome CG awesome practical effect of a hatchet buried in this guy's face thrown from across the room then of course you get several more we find out our nomads just bum rushing to the bar they're all toting hatchets and stuff which is a really cool weapon to see on a show like this you know i'm really looking forward to the originality and the creativeness they're going to get with these weapons and stuff so love the hatchets it's a simple but effective looking weapon when it comes to a show so, you know, I normally like to do the top kill, and you could damn near give it to every kill the Widow gets on this one, because she is crushing these dudes. I love the stab the guy in the chest and then spin like an alligator death roll, and, you know, flipping the guy over. You know, she's knocking people through the bar, but then you get the awesome scene of just seeing her back, and she's Ginsu slicing and dicing this guy dozens of times. And this is where you get the really cool practical blood that I just love. You know, you see 
you see lots of shows that use the CG blood, like a lot of you people might be watching Walking Dead, and you'll see a lot of times when they do a headshot and stuff like that, you'll see CG blood. I'm, I'll never get used to it. It's just not something I really like. I love practical effects, and this show uses them very well. Then they blend it in with some CG. The CG, I'd say they don't do as well as The Walking Dead, but the fact that the practical effects on this show are so well done, you know, I'm really enjoying it. Now, I know it's a little over the top. The blood's a little crazy. You know, these arterial sprays are going pretty far. and But I like that they're there because that really keeps you in this zone that this show is going for. And, you know, the fighting and the action and the gore and the violence is, that's what you come for on this show. And boy, did this opening scene really deliver on it. So at the end of the battle, there's one that's kind of somewhat still alive. She steps on his throat and you find out that these guys were hired by Ryder. So Ryder's pulling some underhanded card, hiring a hit squad to try to take out the widow. More than likely, and we'll find out later, dumb move. So we move on from there to um, Tilda, our first new character of this episode, or second new character of the episode. One of them didn't live so long. And we get to see Tilda's obnoxious squirrel kill from across the you know, field that she's chasing and which was pretty cool. It's kind of, you know, shows how, you know, technically sound she is with these butterfly throwing stars that she's got. And she notices that MK who is still on the run spots her and is spying on her. And she, of course, like a ninja ends up behind him, slides up one of those butterflies to his neck and, you know, tends, you know, kind of wants to know what the hell's going on. MK lies terribly once again as normal. He's not a very good liar. He uh, says he was a farmer and, you know, got away after they were attacked by some nomads. But, you know, the rest of them didn't. So Tilda decides to help him when a posse from the fort rolls up trying to look for MK and drags him into the widow's territory. Now, up front, it doesn't look like MK knows where he's headed, but then he sees another plantation home on a basic compound with, you know, looks like clippers walking around, so he knows he's on another baron's property. And he doesn't seem too enthused by it. So we find out that this is the widow's property, and he gets introduced to her, basically, and it's in a bath scene. This is awkward. You know, first off, he has to undress with Tilda because she can't take her eyes off of him. And then as soon as he gets in the bathtub, Tilda's gone, and then there's the widow watching him. And then you get a strange scene where she's bathing him and asking him questions and tells him that she's looking for a guy or a boy his age with special powers and and shows her the you know the the medallion picture again on a book of of his city he's from. And of course, once again, like I said, I don't know if it's the acting. Or they just wanted him to look like a bad liar. But so far, and it's still right now through two episodes, MK still just can't carry the acting as well as the rest of the people on the show. But, you know, I like the character. I just, I don't, I can't tell if it's the writing and they're wanting him to look a little bit bumbling. But, you know, he's just, he just looks like a terrible liar. But either way, he tries to lie, say he's not the special kid that she's looking for. She, of course, does not believe him. Then we move on to the Sonny and Baron scene. Now, Baron rides up on Sonny while he's doing some, 
looks like some forms of some kind and tells him he wants to take a ride. So Sonny says, well, let me get some uh, people together for protection. He says, no, 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 just us two. We'll go on a simple ride. And this is kind of cool. You know, you, you look forward to that scene because you know they're going to get some conversation in. Then it hops over to the widow again, sitting down with some nomads. And we meet another new character, the leader of one of the nomad tribes or whatever they are. And his name's HUD. Now, that was difficult to find. I didn't, I don't remember her actually saying his name, but I did find it. Now, HUD's not too impressed by the widow and her plan to team up with nomads and to try to take out Quinn and says that, you know, he doesn't feel too secure with her power being her just surrounded by a bunch of girls. So in a show of power, the widow says, well, if, if Tilda can take down one of your guys, then we have a deal. You'll help me take down Quinn. And of course, HUD's like, well, if we take her down, we get to keep her. So kind of cool. We're going to gonna see what Tilda's made of other than killing squirrels. Sure enough, guy stands up. Tilda just does some like rope-a-dope type stuff where he just can't hit her. She's just too damn fast. And then she just crawls up him, snaps his neck right in front of his leader, and drops him. And you do get to see MK is, was spying on this fight and is none too pleased to see that she's a ruthless killer and kind of distraughtly walks away. And she doesn't like that he saw it. I don't think so either. They're clearly playing up a little bit of possible relationship between these two. Which is fine with me. That's cool. I like every bit of drama you can add to some characters and development of these characters is, is cool with me. So, of course, no man has to agree. So now we jump back to the Sonny and the Baron riding. And we find out that they're visiting the doctor's office, basically. Now, this is the doctor and his wife. These people are the ones who raised Vale. Um, now, Vale was given to or awarded, basically, to them from the Baron because the doctor saved Lydia and Ryder's life during childbirth of Ryder. So they're very close and you can tell the Baron obviously trust him. And, and we learned that Vale has told them about the pregnancy and Sonny is trying to tell her mom, you know, please convince her that she needs to abort the baby. It's, it's illegal. Clippers aren't allowed to have families. And she basically tells him straight up, she's like, well, she really doesn't, you know, doesn't care. She doesn't really want a life that doesn't include you two. So, doesn't include Sonny and the baby. And she's very stubborn and won't listen to that reasoning. So, whatever. We learn, and this is a really strange part, where you see the Baron holding an x-ray. I don't know how everybody felt about this, but I felt the x-ray film seemed a bit out of place. Just judging by what we've seen so far on the show and what technology we've seen and things like that, an x-ray just seems really strangely out of place. Now, I mean, I like what it does. I like what it shows. And, you know, it shows that uh, the Baron has a brain tumor. You know, you clearly see the circulish uh, mass in his brain, which, of course, pretty much kills my theory of one of his family members has been poisoning him slowly, giving him those headaches. But anyway, doctor tells him that he won't live long. He'll live to see this winter solstice, solstice, maybe. So, judging by where we are right now, maybe the spring or summer, I'd say that's about six months is what they're telling him. <coughs> now, he walks outside after hearing this news, tells the doctor he's a good man, 
kind of brushes off the wife a little bit. Almost, you know, she was kind of expecting some affection, it seemed like, that he didn't really give. So that kind of was a little tip or whatever. But then he just walks right up to Sonny and tells him to get in there and clip those people. Now, Sonny, surprisingly and not surprisingly, says no. And says that we clippers are only supposed to kill the Baron's enemies. And the Baron, you know, spouts off at him. What do you, how do you define one of my enemies? Is it possibly somebody that holds a secret so big it could bring my whole empire down? Which is true. If the enemies knew that he had a brain tumor and was going to be weakened and then die very soon, they could either attack him now while he's weakened or just wait out until he dies. And I feel like he knows that his son, Ryder, if he's the one who takes over the business, is kind of meek and not ready and unprepared and Ill, Ill fit to run the enterprise. So he draws Sonny's sword off his back and holds it up to his neck. And then he just wanders inside and does the dirty work himself. And it's pretty damn brutal. I mean, honestly, you don't see what happens, but you hear them in there screaming and pleading, you know, not to kill him. And I remember seeing the scene on the trailers coming up to the scene where you see the Baron come outside and he's just absolutely covered in blood spray. And I was like, man, that's going to be a cool scene where he's like in a huge battle and he's a lone survivor. But no, it was just a murderous, you know, horrific assassination of two old people, you know, which is in a way really cool that the show went that route because that gives you something to really hold on to about the Baron. Like you... You may have kind of thought he was okay in the first episode, but now you realize he is a, a bad dude. He, You know, we have another bad guy. You know, the widow we can tell is kind of a bad person, but now we know that Baron Quinn is another just strictly bad person. So, kudos for the show to go this route. You know, it, it makes total sense why he would want to kill the doctor and his wife because they know that the secret is just too big. I mean, you just can't blame him for wanting to put these people down, even though it, ha- it, it it's horrific. You just can't blame it, you know. So, moving on from there, Sonny goes and meets up with this, another new character. What is this, number four new characters on this so far? His name's Waldo. Now, Waldo, judging by his outfit, appears to be an ex-clipper. Or maybe he's still a clipper. Maybe you keep that title for the rest of your days until you die. But he is stuck in a wheelchair, so they don't necessarily they don't say anything about it yet. You don't know if that's like workplace, you know, injury where he was clipping and somebody paralyzed him somehow, or or what the case may be. I'm assuming since he was a clipper, it was probably some kind of battle he was in that ended up paralyzing him. I think we'll probably end up getting the backstory on that at some point. But this is where Sonny you 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 get the first inkling that Sonny is considering running and leaving uh, from the Baron. And ask Waldo if he's ever considered leaving before. And Waldo doesn't seem to give him much hope and tells him, you can't outrun the Baron. He's just too powerful. You know, you got to just, you know, move on from whatever's bothering you and and think straight, basically. So I look forward to seeing this guy again. I know I've seen him as an actor before. I, did, I couldn't figure out who he was on, the, on IMDb just yet until I came back through my recap and stuff so I'll, I'll look him up though because I've seen him before and he seems like he's a pretty good actor so we move on to the next scene and it's the widow is asking Tilda to basically pick a fight with MK 
because she doesn't believe his lies. She's pretty certain that he's the boy with the special powers, and he and she wants Tilda to cut him in the fight to see what happens when he comes out. Now, the widow is warning Tilda that this is going to be extremely dangerous. You know, this is not something you've ever fought before, but she seems willing to put Tilda up to the task and risk losing her number one assassin. So, pretty crazy stuff. You see how important this boy could be to the widow's plans. And so Tilda kind of attacks him up front because... She doesn't believe him either, and she's pissed that she's been lied to by MK, even though she saved his life and, and got him away from that you know, group that was chasing him. She's, she's pissed that, he, that she was lied to, so she attacks him, kind of thumps him a little bit, and then draws the knife and puts it up to him and is about to cut him, and he pleads with her not to. Tells her that he, he's actually out on the bandlands looking for his mother, that he wasn't a farmer and stuff like that, but doesn't spill the beans on whether or not he's has special powers or anything. But Tilda's got a soft spot for him, ends up cutting her own hand and smearing the blood on his cheek and making him scream like he's been, you know, brutally slashed so that the widow can see that he doesn't turn, that he just, you know, kind of walks off like a pansy and doesn't want to finish a fight, basically. So the widow's pretty disheartened, it would appear, and doesn't feel a need to, you know, keep him around it wouldn't seem so next episode or next scene i'm sorry is uh sunny walks up on veil in mourning basically and uh, she's obviously found out that her the people who raised her basically her parents were brutally murdered and um sunny has to tell her that you know it was quinn that killed him and she just doesn't understand why and things like that and feels like she's in danger and but Sonny embraces her, tells her that I will protect you both. And so meaning her and the baby. So he's come to terms and wants her to know that he wants her to keep the baby. And tells her that he's going to get them out of the Badlands. So they're planning on running. He plans on having a future outside of this. And wants to escape the Badlands to start that new life. So another cool, you know plot detail moving forward obviously it's a major detail obviously so then we move on to the grossest scene of the episode which is Ryder's disgusting foot Ugh, this is horrific just disgusting so we we, we zoom in on a it looks like a prostitute or a hooker or whatever and she's pulling some metal kind of prosthesis off of the top of his foot now, this thing looks like it'd either just be a cosmetic deal, or if you were to be kicked in the head with this thing on his foot, if he kicked you to the top of his foot, that would hurt like hell. be like a metal plate in someone's head, and he headbutts you. So, I'm not sure about this. But his foot is horrible. So, I don't know what to make of this yet. Is You know, Ryder has like some red splotches on his face, around his eyes and stuff. And then he has this horrific-looking foot. So is Ryder like a leper or something or is this foot a birth defect, you know, because he had a bad birth, you know, where he had to have his, you know, their lives saved and, or is it, you know, was he in some kind of fight where he lost some toes, but they, they look like they, like they're rotting off his foot, you know, they, they're just, 
nasty, nasty looking toes. And the fact that you see this hooker massaging that foot and those toes just makes you want to throw up on the screen. It's just horrific, horrific looking foot. So Ryder looks across and notices that she's smoking some opium off of this huge fat brick of the Baron's opium. So he's like, hold on, you know, you're living beyond your means here. How the hell could you afford a brick like that? And, you know, she tries to lie and she chokes her out a little bit and she spills the beans that there's a turbine factory or turbine building, you know, out of the wall, outside the walls that the nomads are, you know, clipping off little bits of their shipments and selling stuff out of the turbine building. Which we find out later is actually fake. This is all fake and the hooker is under the widow's control and just is one of her butterflies or cogs one. And is just feeding Ryder fake information to set them in a trap. And it is basically how it's going to turn out, honestly. But the next scene is Tilda, once again, trying to help MK after he wakes her up in the middle of the night asking for help to escape now the widow's compound. He has a tendency of needing people's help to get out, and he's very needy. Um, so she you know, takes him into the office and is trying to find a way out that she knows of and realizes that the widow is walking up on him. So she runs over, does the best thing she can. She kisses him to make it look like they were just kind of sneaking around and having a little, you know, heavy petting in in the middle of the night. And the widow looks at him and says, you're no longer wanted here. And, you know, kindly leave. Don't let it hit you in the door or in the ass on the way out. But, uh, so... The nomad that's with her HUD says, we'll take the boy. We, you know, we're always trying to fill our ranks. You know, basically, you know, bring another guy in, have him trained up to help with the hatchet fighting. But we find out in a minute that outside, HUD actually has the bounty for MK's, you know, life uh, from the Baron. So he wants the reward and ends up knocking him out and throwing him in the trunk of his car. So now we move on to Sonny and Ryder scoping out the turbine building. Now, you see HUD pull up and get out of his car and walk into the building. But that's all you see before they decide to just mosey on into the building. Now, you would think Sonny's smarter than this. You'd think he'd smell trap, no problem, you know. But, I don't know. You know, it seems a little sketchy that he would so easily walk into this, but... Walks inside, they find some crates, there's no opium inside, and HUD's behind them saying, you know, no opium here, you know, welcome to this trap that we laid for you, and dozens of uh, nomad fighters come out and fill, you know, several decks and, you know, landings inside this building. Now, Ryder once again proves that he is just weak sauce. Uh, You know, he pulls his weapon, but he's just pathetically pathetically undertrained it seems and gets strung up you know to hang on a chain immediately so Sonny's left by himself pulls his blade and you get another fantastic choreographed violent fight that last I mean this fight must have lasted five minutes it's just non-stop and it did some of the tropey stuff that you normally see in things like this where you know, one or two people attack at once, even though he's surrounded by ten people. But sometimes you got the four or five hatchets coming at him at one time. 
And then they did a good thing of making him move around. He didn't stay stationary, you know, just fighting off people in a circle. You know, you'd see him, he'd move to a spot like inside where the big, you know, turbine fan was, where only a couple could come in at a time, and he'd dispatch them, dispatch them. And then he'd move. And then he'd climb up, so he'd catch them coming upstairs, knock them down to the lower floor and stuff like that. Then you see him step onto like a gridded floor, which is basically floor beams, you know, without the flooring still covering. So they can't bum rush him or they'll say fall through holes. So he can stand and balance on those while he's fighting and only so many of them come at him at one time. So even though they did a little bit of the kung fu fighting trope of, you know, one or two attacking at a time, at least they let him move around and create scenarios where it would be difficult for large groups of attackers to hit him at once. So I appreciated that, and I, of course, appreciated all the violence, you know. Not as, you know, spectacular or, you know, creative deaths as in the opening sequence, but this one was mass deaths, just constantly just slicing and dicing these dudes to pieces and putting them down and moving on to the next and the next and the next and the next. So I really enjoyed it. Hud ends up sneaking up behind him after he cuts Ryder down. Uh, from his chain who he looks dead to me I mean he's obviously strangled I mean I don't think I could be strangled for five minutes and still be alive cuts him down Hud's thinks it's behind him puts his billy club around his throat and is choking Sonny now I guess Hud's decently strong because it doesn't seem like Sonny's capable of throwing him off and getting one up on him so but luckily he doesn't have to MK comes up behind him after he's cut himself loose with one of the butterfly throwing stars Cut his ropes in the trunk, cut himself loose, runs old Hud through with uh, Sonny's sword right through his chest. He falls dead. Sonny wants to know where the hell MK was and how'd he get there. Tells him the story. And then Sonny asks MK to get him out of the Badlands. You know, this is going to be Sonny's plan right here. Sonny intends to bring MK back to the Baron, train him to control his superpowers, you know, his second personality that he turns when he cut, and to use him basically as a teammate to get him and Vale and the baby out of the Badlands and back to the city where MK's from because it's obviously clear of all this horrible shit that's going on in the Badlands. So we get a, we get a short scene of Sonny arriving back at the fort with you know, dragging Ryder out of the car and MK in tow. Ryder gets pulled into the house to go get medical attention. The Baron goes up and immediately Jack slaps MK wanting to know who helped him escape. Who got him out of the fort. Ryder does, I mean, not Ryder, MK does a little better job lying here. He kind of looks him in his eyes finally. You know, looks somebody into their eyes when they're telling a story and says, he doesn't know, he woke up and his chains were cut and he ran. So, before the Baron can, it looks like, give him some swift justice, Sonny just tells him that he wants to take him under as his cult. So, he plans on, you know, taking him under his wing, being his first clipper for Sonny to ever train. And the Baron, you know, makes it pretty clear that he's going to be keeping an eye on MK, that he doesn't trust him, but Sonny's never taken a cult before, so I think he's looking forward to seeing why you know, this kid's so special. Why would Sonny want to bring him under? And it makes it makes sense because he tells the Baron, you know, Ryder and I wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for him. So 
it seems plausible that the Baron would let him live, you know, for saving his son's life and Sonny's life, and the fact that Sonny wants to take a cult on for the first time. So, boom. Scene cut. That's the end of the episode. Now, I'm really stoked for this show now, guys. This is something I I went into with super low expectations or basically no expectations at all because I wanted to be very objective and very clean slate walking into this. So the first episode was wonderful. This episode put in so much plot and so much more like backstabby details and you know m- things to look forward to in the next four episodes that I'm really looking forward to this show now. I'm really looking forward to these podcasts I get to do on it. Um, this this is it's just surprising me so much, you know. Not necessarily with the fights. I, I was expecting that these people were going to do excellent work. They far ex- exceeded my expectations with the fighting because it's just wonderful. It's just so well done. You know, I've never seen anything like this on a TV show. But even more, it's exceeded my expectations as far as the plot. I'm really enjoying it. I like the characters involved. I like the uh, scenarios they've put them in. I like the setting they're in. You know, the the way they're shooting it, the cinematography is, is really pretty. So everything has really grown on me. You know, there's there's still things I can nitpick a little bit, like the X-ray and MK's acting's a little bit meh, you know, but that stuff is so minor in comparison to a show that I'm really, really enjoying. But right now, guys, I really need a favor. I need some I need some feedback. I need you guys to tell me what you think. You know, I'm trying to get these podcasts out as soon as I possibly can after the show airs. So I usually record them on Monday and they'd be out on Tuesday. I know this one's a day late, but we had some technical difficulties. But I need to know, what you, what do you guys think is your top kill? Well, you know, what do you think about the plot stuff going forward? You know, who's your favorite characters? What do you like to see? What's the, you know, what scenes are really sticking with you and things like that? So if you could, do me a huge favor and hit me up at bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at Bleed TV Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook, Bleed TV. So, man, hit us up. You know, on Facebook, I'll start opening up a, you know, just a simple uh, post that we can all comment on, and we can, you know, I can bring that in here because I'd love to give you guys shout outs. I'd love to, you know, grow a fan base with this because so far they haven't announced the season two yet, but hopefully this show's getting the ratings and they'll re-up it before the season's end. Because, man, you know, once it gets past the final episode and it's not been re-upped yet, a lot of times that leans towards the negative. And we've already lost one show this year with The Best Executioner, and my brother's pretty devastated by it. So hopefully, hopefully this show can continue the pace it's going, continue to break my expectations every week, and get re-upped. So until then, guys, please, once again, give us a good rating and reviewing. We've got a few uh, new ones this past couple weeks, so we really appreciate it. But please keep it up and uh, hit me up as much as you can. And uh, until then, I'll see you all next week.